was desperate, you know, at the time I was 17, 18, unemployed, you know, and I was desperate to, you know, to get a break. And I knew that if I did get a try, I would, you know, I would grab the chance. I think it was always going to be boxing. I mean, I stepped into the gym as a 10 or 11 year old. Boxing just took hold of my heart straight away. I love everything about the sport of boxing. Hello, I'm Marie Crow, and this is We Become Heroes, the RTE sport podcast that explores how elite athletes and sports people reach the top of their game and the lessons that they learned along the way. I'm delighted to say my guest today is Olympian and two-time European indoor champion, David Gillick. David, how are you? How is life? I'm good, Marie. Thanks for having me on. Um, life is good. I'm in Tokyo at the moment covering the Olympic Games, so it's all started. We're in the thick of it, and it's it's exciting place to be. Obviously, with the year that we have had, and 2020 is now 2021. Um, you know, it's great to be involved at the Olympic Games, and you know, it's when you're into sport, um, it's just it's the pinnacle of I suppose now being a spectator and just following the journey of all our Irish athletes. So as a, someone who has been to the Olympic Games, when you get back to an Olympic Games in a different capacity, does how you felt at the time as a competitor, does that feeling all come flooding back? Yeah, like there's moments where, you know, say when we landed here in Tokyo and you see all the Olympic signs and all the hoardings and all that, you, you kind of, you remember your experience and, and it definitely brings me back to Beijing 08 and, you know, how I felt when I landed in Beijing and my first impressions and the, I suppose the enormity of it all. And I, I think when I come this time and I'm kind of on the on the the media side, you take it in a lot more because when you're an athlete, you're very much focused on your job in hand and, you know, your competition's coming up. So you, you tend to kind of stick to your own ways, your own routines um, and try and kind of manage that. So it's almost like you're not kind of coming up for air and you're not looking around to see what's going on, you know, whereas this time I can kind of take the experience of being there and, and done that, but also look around a little bit and kind of enjoy it a little bit more and, and take take it all in because it's it's huge. And Olympic Games is absolutely massive. And it's great to be able to kind of have both perspectives, I think, uh, at this stage and here in Tokyo as well. So an Olympic Games, everybody knows, is the pinnacle of an athlete's career. It's something that you dream of when you're a kid. You work your whole life for it. It comes around. Do you get to enjoy it as an athlete, as a competitor? Is that possible? Yeah, do you know, it's a great question because, like I kind of touched on there, you have a job in hand and it's what you do and it's what you've been preparing to do for arguably your whole career. You know, it's the pinnacle. And, you know, that's front and, and foremost and it's what you really want to do because it's 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 such a big stage that you want to perform to your absolute best so i think there's 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 definitely moments that you can enjoy so a lot of our athletes here and when i did it you had your holding camp so you can kind of go and enjoy that little bit you know that you've qualified so you know you're not chasing any races that is all done and um, but every day it's getting a little bit closer a little bit closer and the enormity of the olympics i think that's the big thing that athletes um you know really kind of find it hard to to maybe manage is the size of an olympic games and suddenly there's a lot more media interest there's a lot more sports it's just so big and i think you know the enjoyment factor comes if you perform well it, it's very straightforward like if you perform well and you're content and you come off the track and yeah i, I did a good job well then it's a great olympics uh, and you loved it and you love that city that it was in when it doesn't go that well. It's like, you know what? Get me out of here. You know, the minute you come off and you go back to the village, I don't want to be around here. So, you know, can an athlete enjoy it if it goes well? Yes. If not, no. First flight home. Come on. <laughs> Let's go. 
<laughs> unfortunately, when it comes to an Olympic Games, unfortunately for the athletes, public, the public get really interested and obviously think that they are experts in everything. And the way success is measured when you're not an expert is by medals. So people expect our Irish athletes to go over there to an Olympic Games and come back with medals. And if they don't, then they didn't do that well, which is obviously not the reality for what our competitors are going over there trying to do. But at the same time, when you go over there, David, and it doesn't go to plan, what's that like and how do you deal with it? Because you're in the you're in the glare of the public eye. Yeah, it's it's not a great place. I'm not gonna lie. And you know, when I competed in Beijing, it didn't go the way I wanted to. In, in fact, I ran the slowest time of my season, around 45-8 or something. And I was fourth in my heat, so I didn't qualify. And you know what? It was the worst experience. I've got to be honest, because I went back into the village and, you know, and it's not like you're jealous. You want your teammates and you want your, you know, the people that you train with to do well. And I think at the time, my training partner went on to come sixth. And, you know, as much as he's a good friend and as much as I wanted him to do well, I wanted to do better, you know, and it, that was hard. And you've got friends, you've got family and, you know, it's very much like, oh, God, it didn't go to plan, didn't go to plan. And yeah, I wanted to get out of there. And and I can remember flying back to Dublin and we landed in Dublin Airport and it was very straightforward. You're, if you like, they called out the medal winners, right? You're up to the front of the plane. You're going to walk out first. And then it was literally who else done well. And then it was like the rest of you, you just fall in behind. And that was it. And you're kind of going, oh my God, this is brutal. So yeah, it, it, it is hard. It, it, I, and it's the enormity of it all. And I, I, I like, I can't emphasize that enough. Like it's a multi-sport championship and the numbers are, are huge. And the whole kind of like the village is massive and the food hall is just like, it's like a, a tent over the pitch in Crow Park. It's huge. And all of that is brand new. And you kind of like, you know, within yourself, you really want to perform. It's like going to any kind of World Cup, rugby, soccer, All-Ireland final. You want to play well, you know. And when it doesn't go the way you want, it's it's a very lonely um, place to be in, you know, because you're surrounded by it. And it's not as if it's you're on the last day and it's all over. In some circumstances, you could be on day one and you have to wait another two weeks. And it's not like... My experience, no, it wasn't a great place to be. How did you deal with that then? That disappointment, that I suppose feeling of failure. Yeah, and that's what it was. And like you know, to be honest, you go through all the emotions. You're embarrassed. You you feel you've let your coach, your family, your friends, your country down. Like that's that's all those emotions that come to the fore. And you kind of want to get away from people as well. You don't want to be around it. If you could just switch off the Olympics, you, you you would. And I think, you know, when I look back at 2008, like, you know, I suppose I went through a journey when I came off the track and I was like, I just, I didn't feel well. I didn't feel right. And I kind of pushed it away and I didn't want to have excuses and all that. And I kind of buried it for a few days and then, you know, it eats, it eats you inside and you're kind of going, why didn't it work out? What did I do wrong? And, you know, you try and kind of debrief and you try and take learnings from it. I think that's probably the first step to kind of deal with it. It's it's like going through that kind of whole change um, curve or, or, you know, where you're trying to understand, okay, well, what do we do now? And that all those emotions of like denial and, and frustration and anger, they come to the fore. And I think what I did was I, I sat down with my coach and he kind of went through, okay, well, you know, what happened? It was literally just a conversation and trying kind of, okay, well, like, here's what we did well and here's what we did and here's what we can take from it. And I always remember, like, coming back to Dublin and um, just going on a holiday, literally just getting away from it all and, you know, having a blowout for two weeks and, you know, 
talking about it with my friends and family and going, yeah, look, it was crap. And here's, here's the way it went. And, and everyone kind of hold no punches and you learn from it. And I think that's the, the most important thing to do. So it starts with that debrief and, you know, going through that process and acknowledging that, yeah, look, it was crap. And like, here's what I can do. And here's what I'm going to take forward. And I think for me, it was very much like that learning of that year. I probably, to be honest with you, tried to do everything 110%. I didn't flick the off switch. It was like the Olympic Games. And I qualified a year and a half in advance. I didn't have to rush around looking for qualification times, you know, which is a great position to be in. But I think, to be honest with you, I probably had too much time to think about it. Yeah. And you just try and do absolutely everything, eat right, sleep right, train right, right. And you just don't flick the off switch. And I think when I look back at it, I probably overstressed myself. Um, you know, you're constantly looking for that kind of perfection and um, you forgot to enjoy the journey in a way. Yeah, hindsight is great. But look, at least you're there anyway in a different capacity and you are getting to experience it and enjoy it, albeit not on the track, but still. So, David, we're going to go through our set questions now about your career. And I'm going to start off with um, what's your earliest memory of sport? Um, I I suppose I grew up in a family that was very sporty. My mum and dad participated uh, an awful lot when they were growing up, but also when they were adults as well. And um, I'm the youngest of four kids so we were all kind of active and my earliest memory would be um going to a basketball match my mum was heavily involved in basketball and played an awful lot and I can remember as a little kid but just been on the sideline and I think it was Corinthians was the basketball club my mum played for and I think they played down in Inchy Court I don't even know if the, if it's still there but I can remember going down there and watching mum play and and then my dad my dad was heavily involved in GAA and he played a lot of tennis as well so I can remember then dragged along one Saturday morning to uh, to my dad playing tennis. And they're very vivid memories because I suppose watching your parents um, play is something that you kind of, like they're role models, you know, and that's probably my earliest memory of, uh, of sport and, and growing up around it. So what were you interested in? Like, who were your heroes? What, what did you have posters on the wall-wise? Yeah, like, it, <laughs> posters on the wall, yeah, it's a good question. Um. I think as I kind of grow up, like you get pulled into kind of like the soccer. I was big into my soccer and, you know, growing up with like the Roy Keynes, um, you know, Italian 90, all that sort of stuff. Like I had all the sticker books and all that, you know, and you're, you're kind of collecting as it goes for all the big championships. Um, my brothers and my dad, as I said, were big into GAA. So like I had a picture of Charlie Redmond on my, on my wall. Um, I remember going to Pro Park as a young lad and um, all that sort of stuff. And then kind of athletics as well. I had a picture of Michael Johnson on the wall as well. Um, and, you know, those were kind of the things that I, I was kind of interested in. And, you know, anytime a major championship came around, you had the wall chart and all that, that kind of stuff. And so the bedroom was kind of full. Of, I had a tricolor on it as well. I think I had a Celtic flag, you know, um, and it was a little box room as well. So it was covered and stuff. Um, and that was probably, yeah, those are the things I would have watched. Like I, we were, as I said, the family was very big into sports. So even with like with the Olympics, like my mom would have been big into that. So that was always on the TV. So every time, you know, there was something big on, it would have been on the TV and we would have followed it. So like anytime there's an Irish person competing, that's when, you know, we all got stuck into it. And that kind of just the atmosphere in the house is very much built around that. And it was great. It was a great environment to grow up in. You know, we were actually lucky to think when you think about it, to have that experience because there's so much sport on the TV now that, you know, you, it, it's just everywhere. Whereas the Olympic Games, when we were kids, like that was it. It was the biggest thing ever and it was the focus and you know you had to sit down and watch it there wasn't highlights on YouTube or stuff on, on Twitter and it's actually a really nice memory to have because you know it's not diluted by everything else that was that's going 
on around maybe kids' lives now where they have so much access to stuff because I have those same memories as well. Like my dad giving us all 5P and we'd be betting on the different athletes when they were running because, you know, it was it was all that was on and it was great. So when did you realise first that you had talent? Um, I think it was in school, um, primary school. And in Dublin, they had the Come in a Bun School, which is the primary school sports. Um, and you go to Santry and uh, Morton Stadium. And... I, I always remember I had a teacher called um, Mrs. Horgan, Olive Horgan, and she was big into athletics. She, she loved running. And I can remember, you know, about probably kind of like May time, she got us all to go out to the field besides, um, beside the school and do races. And it was basically what she was doing was trying to pick who was the fastest that was going to represent the school. And lo and behold, that was me. And I, I, I can remember going, you know, I remember her kind of saying, God, you're, you're quick, you're fast. And, you know, you're the fastest in the class. And I think that was the first moment. And I think, you know, in primary school, when, you, when you're the fastest in the class, you're something, you're, you're someone, you know, who's the fastest in the class? Oh, Gillick is, Gillick is. And, and that was kind of it, you know, and then you'd win your, your, your sports day. And then I went to the coming of Bun School, I think it was like under 11s or something. And um, could have even been young, under 10s maybe. And I won that. And that was probably the first moment that I kind of, you know, in Dublin, then you're the fastest, whatever it was, under 10. Um, and that was when other people would began to kind of notice, like, oh, you're quick, you're quick. And that's when I decided to kind of join a running club and all that. And, you know, even at the time, my brothers and sisters, they all ran. So running was kind of in the family as well. But that was probably the earliest memory of, like, I suppose, people saying that I was quick and realising that, yeah, I'm the fastest in my class. That's important. Were you doing other sports when you were younger? Like, were you playing organized team sports as well yeah i was i played a lot of ga um for volunteer st john's and a lot of soccer for for broadford rovers at the time so they would have been probably to be honest i, I was probably doing more of that than i was running um i was in dundrum said Dundrum athletic club as well but i think the interest at that age was very much around that team sport um and again in the school i was in we were we were very good at soccer um we, I think we won like the All-Ireland um, Six Aside back in the, I think it was like a Snickers thing or something, which was, was brilliant. And I was part of that. And we had some really talented kids. Um, and that was probably the, the sport that kind of pulled me or gravitated, gravitated a little bit more too. Um, and it was only probably as I got a little bit older, did kind of athletics kind of come more into it. And you begin to make those choices of like, well, where, like which one will I focus on? But I did that quite late. But, you know, when I was young, yeah, I, I did everything. Like I was throwing the shot in athletics and I was, I actually played a bit of badminton uh, because that was down the road in the school. And um, yeah, I was one of those kids that I probably just threw myself into everything. And I, I enjoyed sport and probably enjoyed sport more than um, the academic side, you know. Was there ever any pressure on you, like at that age to, maybe focus on one over the other or were you free enough to be able to keep your toes dipped into a lot of different sports? Yeah, no, I was free to kind of do what I wanted to do. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't as if like people were saying, oh, I want you just to do this or you're better at this, focus on this. Like, um, as I said, I did play a lot of GAA and I was doing okay in that as well. And um, even though like, and I kind of mentioned my dad was involved and my brothers all played. So, you know, the way GAA is, you're kind of in the parish and it's like, you know, there could be a bit of pressure there. And I think I always remember um, the only time I was, I was ever grounded was um, I got sent off in a match up in Marley Park and I used to have a temper. Oh God, did I have a temper. And I can remember I, I bawled the referee out of her for something and uh, straight away red cards and my dad grounded me. But that was my only day. He lost the rag at me. And I don't know, like it, it was just one of those moments where like you're kind of thinking, 
was that pressure or was that like a lesson where look you just don't do that and I I kind of learned you know to control that temper because when I lost the rag I didn't play well you know it's kind of inevitable really um but that was probably the most yeah head's gone the head's gone completely and I I was an awful man for that but you know you learn and you kind of realize all right well like one of my best assets on the GA pitch was my was my speed and my pace. So you know, it's probably no wonder that I did eventually go that go that direction. But no, there was never never any pressure from my parents or any kind of coaches or anything like that. It was it was more just kind of whatever I really enjoyed doing and whatever I kind of thought I, I could I could go a little bit further in. So, at what stage did you make a choice? Then did you decide to focus on just athletics? Well, the first thing to go was soccer. Um, I was playing in the school in St. Benilla's and we had a decent team and I was playing for Broad for Rovers. But I, I, I began kind of getting to the point where like I wasn't really getting my game. I was on the sideline a little bit and probably the love of it kind of began to dwindle. Um, and then I was doing better at GA. I was kind of progressing that. And again, in St. Benilla's, we had a very strong school team and I was involved in that. So the first thing to go was soccer, probably around 16. Um, and then I, I, it's funny because people have asked me this before, like, why did I stick at athletics? And I went through a couple of years where I didn't win anything really in in athletics. I went back from like, you know, winning everything around 12, 13, 14. And then I won nothing all the way up to, I think it was in fifth year in school. So what's that? Maybe 17. Um, I won my, I won uh, an All-Ireland over 400 meter hurdles. Um, which, and I, like I had the pace, but I was brutal over the hurdles, but I was just strong. And that was probably a big change because I'd never really won anything like, you know, I suppose at all Ireland level, um, and I, I think it was one of those moments where I was like, God, you know what? Maybe, maybe this is where I can actually make a few inroads. And like that was fifth year. Then I left school. I was still playing GAA, and I went to the World Juniors. Um, it was two thousand, two thousand, yeah, no, two thousand two. We went to Jamaica, and I, I missed the individual time by 0.4 of a second. It was forty eight flat. 48 seconds and I ran 48.4 but they sent the relay team they sent the 4 by 400 relay team and you know I was a junior uh, I went to Kingston Jamaica uh, had all the kit the Irish kit and that just blew my mind it was unbelievable and I I, I tell the story where I'm in the stadium and there's 45,000 Jamaicans um, and they're all shouting bolt 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 and this skinny little fella came out uh, and absolutely annihilated everyone over 200 metres. And it was, of course, Usain Bolt as, at the age of 16. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, this is amazing. This is amazing. And I came back from those championships, and that was when I decided, you know what, I want to be an athlete. I want to be that guy on the track. Um, so I packed in the GAA. And I think we, I, I actually was doing okay at that that time. I was playing senior uh, for Ballantyre. And um, my last game was actually maybe it was Inter. And the last game was a playoff against St. Olaf, so a local club mm-hmm. uh, to go uh, to go senior. And that was the last game I played in. So that would have been late, yeah, 2002, 2003. And that was it. That was, I hung up the boots, should we say. And I think there was a bit of chat then in the club going like, ah, what's he doing that for? And why is he focusing on, on the athletics? You know, he's doing all right in the GAA. But um, no, it was a good decision. But that, that's when I decided, you know, I, I want to be an athlete and, and, and kind of focus on that. So what did you have to work on then when you were developing and you were obviously seeing a pathway that you wanted to go down? What did you need to work on most as you were transitioning to what you wanted to be, which was one of the best athletes in the world? Yeah, you know, like it's a great question because I don't think there was any one 
specific thing to just go right this is what I'm going to focus on I think things evolved over time you know I I felt I was progressing well my times were getting a little bit quicker but I was young and like I was weak I wasn't strong and I was trying to compete over 400 meters and um you know I I I was I suppose I had the physical attributes I was tall I was gangly but I wasn't strong whatsoever so in terms of my own kind of form I was very weak um, and I'd never done any sort of kind of conditioning or strength and conditioning and gym work. And that was definitely an area that um, the coaches at the time kind of looked and go, right, we need to get you into the gym and get stronger. But I think mentally as well was, was a space where I needed to begin to believe that, you know, I could do something here. And like that can be hard sometimes coming from Ireland when we haven't had that success, say, in a sprint event. And there was got a lot of people saying, oh, I'll move up to 800. You know what I mean? You're, you're built for that. You're built for that. But I kind of had this inner belief that, no, I was fast enough. And if I could really kind of focus on that. So I suppose initially it was like building up that kind of level of fitness, but also trying to build that confidence that I could really progress over 400 um, in a sprint event, which we're not really known for. Um, so that was probably the first thing. And, and then it was just kind of, you know, that holistic approach to it, like looking after myself. Like I wasn't eating well. Um, I was still kind of, dare I say, having the nights out and, going training with a little bit of a, a foggy head on a Sunday morning and not probably really focusing on it, even though, yeah, I'm packing all the sport. I want to be that that guy on the track. Um, you know, you kind of have to grow up a little bit and go, right, well, if this is what I want to do, I've got to, I got to knock a couple of nights on the head, you know, um, and just kind of grow and mature. And that's probably the first thing I had to do. And what were you doing there? Like you'd, you'd finished school. So were you in college at this stage? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I am. Um, I did science originally in UCD and I absolutely hated it. And then I packed that in and I went and I did a degree in business studies in DIT. Um, so again, it was like, you know, full-time athletics, full-time college and trying to manage that. And I remember um, I, I did actually go proper full-time at one point and I went to the head of the school and I said, oh, you know what, I, I, I want to really focus on my athletics. And in fairness, he said, yeah, no problem. Like, do that and we'll uh, we'll be here for you. I lasted two weeks. And then I went back into him and I said, no, do you know what? I'm really bored. Can I come back? And he was like, yeah, no problem. And I think, you know, the reality was that, you know, there was no kind of full-time group. Um, and the, the training group that I was in weren't wasn't full-time. So I was waiting around all day to train, you know. So I, I did feel I needed something else going on at the same time. And that was obviously education. So then, like... You're 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 starting to make progress at this stage. Do you feel you had like a breakthrough moment where you thought, okay, I'm getting there now? Yeah, like times were were getting quicker, and like 2004, I suppose I improved, and you know you're talking about Athens Olympics and all that, but I I was a little bit maybe young for that or else just too slow. Um, and then I I think the breakthrough moment was definitely 2005 when I decided to really focus on kind of like doing an indoor season. Um. And I can remember kind of starting off and winning a couple of races and that win streak continued. I went to the British Championships and won that. Times got a little bit quicker. And then suddenly I'm going to the European indoors. And, you know, I suppose I, I went to those championships under the radar. Nobody really expected a whole lot from me, even though I was fairly highly ranked and I had a good season, but I was still very young. And it was, it was a case of kind of going like, all right, you're going to these championships, can I get out of the first round? And I did that and I ran very well. And then lo and behold, I, I won a gold medal. Um, and that was definitely a moment when, it, like I can, I, can, I can remember crossing the line and going, 
Jesus, what just happened? You know, and like, I can remember my mum and dad in the crowd, and um, it was it was almost like, oh my god, what have I done? <laughs> you know, because I wasn't prepared for success. Um, and that might sound a bit crazy, but like I wasn't. I didn't know what to do. Like, you know, you're doing a lap of honor, going, oh my god, this is stuff that I've dreamt of. And even that night, Alistair Cragg went on to win another gold medal over three k, and I think we we were maybe fourth on the medal table with two goals we, we were ahead of the Brits like you know this is stuff that like doesn't happen that often and like it, it, it was a phenomenal moment I had friends and all that and it was just one of these kind of things of going like oh my god like what do we do next and that was probably the big game changer in terms of belief and going oh my god like maybe maybe I could have a career in this maybe I could go to Olympic Games and um, like it was a great moment but it was almost coming back to Dublin and then kind of realising that now people are asking me, oh, what's your next race? And, you know, are you going to go to the Olympic Games? And I always remember my neighbours came in and they were like, oh, we knew you were you were good, but we didn't think you were that good. And maybe that's an Irish way of going like, well done. But it was definitely, that was definitely the game changer and, and kind of right, this is kind of getting serious now. Like, what do I do next? And um, you try and kind of learn and take stock and, you know, reevaluate the goals suddenly. Was there enough support for you there, do you think, when you did when you did that to help you progress and guide you then along the way? No, there wasn't. Um, I can remember coming home and literally been in the house. And this might sound a bit crazy, but like I didn't want to leave the house because, you know, you grow up in a community where like my family were active in the community. My, I, I was one of four kids. So like people knew my family and, you know, there was a shop at the end of the road. And I remember one day I was like, kind of, I'll go down to the shop and try to go down for a chicken fillet roll or something stupid you know and I went down and uh, next minute you're bumping into people and they're going oh well done the weekend and what's next and I almost didn't know how to answer it and like there was probably a time when I kind of oh, can we just go back to the way it was you know and even though I won a medal and all but there definitely wasn't any guidance there and I wasn't working with anyone kind of on the psychology side of it either like you know kind of preparing you for a championship but also preparing you for success and kind of going okay well here's potentially what could happen afterwards and even from a media perspective like they were ringing the landline in the house going is David there and my mum would be like David there's something they're from like RTE like come on like yeah you have to talk to them and you know it just kind of went through a bit of a phase where you're like oh I'm kind of getting tired talking about all this and like I don't know what's coming next and everyone wants to know and so there wasn't that that support wasn't in place that the, the the institute of sport wasn't even in existence like so you know that whole kind of support network just simply was not there even like agents and all that kind of area of the sport didn't know anything about it you know um so you're kind of left to kind of figure it out a little bit and we didn't even have a high performance director or manager in the sport so it was very much brand new and i think it's an area that it's definitely worth kind of you know, supporting athletes in. It's like, what do you do when you win a medal? What What does success look like and how do you manage that? Because otherwise you're just a rabbit in the headlights. Yeah, and it's mad really because it wasn't that long ago when you think about it and the fact that those supports that are there now aren't in places. It's crazy to even think that you had to live through that and, and look, obviously you came out the other side of it, but I'd imagine it was still hard and you probably did need that support from the sports psychology side of it. And it's mad to think as well that if you'd had that, how much of a benefit it would have been during that time when you were at the peak of your powers. Oh, absolutely. And I, I can remember, like, I, I'd be good friends with Derva O'Rourke. And, you know, in, in 2006, so the following year, she won a gold medal in the World Indoors. And I can remember, I can remember Derva ringing me, like, you know, a couple of weeks after that, and she was thinking, like, what do I do? How, what did you do a year ago? What like I've people ringing me and come here and do this and like how did you manage this? And I was like, 
I didn't, you know, and even the following year, it, it was still something that was, um, I think it was left to kind of the athlete to figure out. And, and and that's a very daunting kind of position to be in. And what do you do? And like, particularly in indoors as well, because it's not the end of the season, you know, you're, you're, you're coming off like just a championship and then you have to, you know, focus on the summer. And in 2005, I, I struggled with that. I was mentally fatigued and I was physically fatigued, even though I ran PBs that summer, but I didn't get to the level that I probably should have done because I was just tired. I was just knackered by it all. And I wanted a bit of a break, you know, and I think, you know, then going into 2006 myself, like that was another kind of real game changer because I went to the European outdoors and I came last in my semi-final. I bombed, I completely another bombed. And I didn't deal with that pressure because now it was like, oh, you're somebody. Now you're in the kind of the spotlight and you won a Europeans last year well, he can definitely make a final card. Like anything other than the final is a failure. And then lo and behold, they come last in the semi-final. And I can remember walking through the mix zone. It's funny because now I'm the person in the mix zone with the microphone, like what happened? And I can remember like that, that question, what happened? And I just, I, I could barely give an answer. I, like, I felt embarrassed. I was like, what, what, what have I done? Like it was a very slow time. I've come last with this level of expectation. And um, I think that was probably the biggest school day because that was when I really had to kind of grow up a little bit and, and make some big changes about, okay, look, if I want to be an athlete, like, what am I going to do? What, what, like, what's the environment that's going to best suit me? And that's when I decided to relocate over to Loughborough University and put myself into that uh, kind of ecosystem where you're surrounded by world-class athletes. And if I wanted to be world-class, I needed to get myself over there. And that's, that's what I did. Yeah. And surrounded by people who'd probably gone through things that you were going through as well and that you could bounce off and ask for that advice. Maybe that might not have been at home. So what do you think then was your, the biggest setback that you've had to overcome? Yeah, look, you know, I think I've been fairly vocal about dealing with retirement and stuff like that, which um, I wasn't prepared for, you know, and you talk about preparing for success, but you preparing for retirement and that exit from sports, you know, was probably something that uh, I found very, very challenging. And, you know, even through my career, probably the biggest kind of challenge was probably, you know, confidence, probably that area of kind of going back on yourself and trusting that you've done enough work and um, having the confidence that you belong at that level, you know. And, and I think sometimes you can be your worst critic, you can be your, your, your harshest critic and, that's that internal voice and probably shutting him up at uh, the odd time was probably a challenge, you know, and I think I did over, over the years, you began to learn from that. And I, I worked with people in that psychology space to try and kind of deal with that. But I, I think the biggest challenge was probably just, you know, telling yourself that you belong here and you can beat some of the, the best athletes in the world. And, you know, that was, uh, that took a bit of time um, to kind of, I suppose, grow uh, and, not not been ashamed to kind of go, yeah, this is my space, I belong here. Um, so that was probably quite challenging. And then obviously, as I said, kind of dealing with that transition and, you know, what comes after sport. And uh, like it was interesting because I, I was listening to a few of the other kind of guests you have on and, and, and that kind of, you know, come to the end of your career and what do you do and, you know, what are your interests? And I think I was one of them all or nothing kind of people. Like I, I loved athletics and I loved being involved in it. And that's all I really wanted to focus on. And um, unfortunately, the body had other ideas and you get a little bit older and then the injuries come. But um, yeah, I think overall, like it's like within the sport and when I was competing was probably that kind of mental uh, side of it and really kind of trusting yourself and backing yourself. You've been really open about a lot of that side of stuff as well. And, you know, I know nowadays people do talk more about the, the mental side of it and you know getting that right is 
seen as a strength whereas before I think that it probably wasn't seen like that now and you know having people like you and other people coming out talking about the importance of it all that helps really to maybe redefine what sports psychology is and how vital a tool it is oh look 100% and you know like yes I'm open and honest and I'm vocal about it now but like that's probably because I heard I heard other people speak about other sports people who would have had conversations with me about it and I think, you know, sport, it's like life, there's plenty of ups and downs and it's just managing that. And that's that's normal. It's like your your, your physical well-being, you know, you manage that as well and you prepare and the mental side is is as important. And I think, you know, talking about kind of preparing your athletes, even for these Olympics, we've prepared for the last, you know, 10 years, um, you know, to get our athletes in, in peak shape for here. But we need to kind of bring them down as well. So it's up and then it's coming back down and then you go again for Paris. Like, and I think the mental side is just extremely important in that. And, um, you know, again, it's it's probably, you know, when, you, when you're in sport, it's, it's fitter, faster, stronger. And it's like show no weakness. It's like more, 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 go, go, go. And at the end of the day, we're all human. We all have our ups and downs. And it's just, I suppose, it's it, it's verbalizing that as well. I'm not going to shame to go, you know what, I'm actually feeling a bit flat today. And, you know, I had a shit training session or a crap championships. Right, talk about it. What do you learn and where do you go from it? Um, now you know and I think that's just extremely important and it is good to see a lot more athletes kind of talking about it but also using the the services that are available and and that's vitally important because if it's like going to a physio or going to a psychologist well it's just all part of the game and it's normalizing it yeah and you're getting tools and you're better equipped to deal with things that you mightn't have had to face before so when you look back over your career then David who do you think had the biggest impact on you and it um, probably my, my coaches over the years and like it'd probably be unfair to kind of just pin, pinpoint one but definitely my coach over in Loughborough Nick Dakin had a had a huge uh, influence on me believing that I could be a, a world class 400 metre athlete I, I definitely think when I moved over there you know that approach to it that holistic approach to it and going full time and having that structure around me and routine um, really kind of had a, a positive effect but even going back prior to that like I had a coach, Jim Kidd, um, with Dundrum South Dublin. And again, you talk about belief and kind of even the conversations of like, you know, you could be that one day, you could be there one day. And I always remember like we had qualified for, you know, the European indoors and, and the, like European outdoors and things like that. And like I was probably the first athlete he had to qualify. And I always remember he said, right, you've got to take it to the ball, but now you have to go and dance. And that was always something that stuck in my head, you know, because sometimes you see athletes that are just delighted to be there and that was always something in the back of my head like now now you've got to go and dance you know and it's 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 creating that in, like belief that you belong there um and you deserve to be there and you can perform there and i think you know that was definitely um like he was someone that had a huge kind of influence on me and all and almost going full-time into athletics as well because i was still doing other sport when he was coaching me to his frustration you know but um and he was a Scottish fella as well, so he had no clue about GA and couldn't. He was like, "What are you doing playing this game?" Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely, yeah, Jim and Jim, and Nick, and um, were definitely people that had a huge influence on, on my career. When you look back over your career and you know think about the athlete that you wanted to be, is there a performance that stands out in your head? A performance that defines you? A performance that you go to when you think of yourself at your best? I'm glad you said that at my best because <laughs> there's other ones that come to the, the forefront as well. Uh, no, that, like when I look back, I think um, when I retained my European title in 2007 in Birmingham is, is definitely one of those moments that 
you know, I'll cherish for the rest of my life. And I think the reason is I made that decision to to move from Ireland and, and put myself in a completely new environment. And you know, that's always a big decision. You know, okay, I'm 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 leaving everything and I'm throwing everything into this basket. And uh, that was my first championships after making that move, and it was uh, it was brilliant. And in Birmingham, load of Irish there. It's something that you like I'll remember forever. Um, and also I'd, I'd probably look at kind of Berlin when I came sixth. Like again, I didn't win, but I always wanted to be top eight in the world. I always wanted to make a world final and um, I did it in, in 09. And, you know, even though I didn't podium or I didn't medal, but um, it was just, you're up there with some of the best athletes. You're up there with the athletes that I was in awe of, like the, the Sean Merritt's, the Jeremy Warner's, people like that who were so dominant over 400 metres. The next minute I'm on the track beside them, you know, and I think that was that was probably one of my biggest kind of career highs and, and uh, something that I'll always remember, you know. And what about success then? What do you think was your greatest success in your career? I think to be honest, backing myself and having a go, you know, like when I was at home and you have those distractions, all your mates are coming out of college and they're all getting jobs and, you know, they're going out and kind of moving out of home and all that sort of stuff and going to Australia for a year and you kind of feel, oh, I'd love to do that. Um, I'm just so glad that I gave it a go. I'm just so, so glad that I um I was willing to kind of make a decision, relocate and just knuckle down and give it a crack. And like that's the stuff that, you know, if I didn't do it then, I wouldn't be talking to you. I wouldn't be here. You know, it's 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 as simple as that. So I think the biggest success was just backing myself and going, you know what, this is what I want. And that's a really hard thing to do. Like there's a lot of young people now and you know, when people say, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's like, I don't know. But like, you know, at that moment, it's like I wanted to be an athlete. And I, I just wanted to, you know, you started off this conversation by when when did I know I had a talent? And I, get, I definitely, when I was 21, 22, I, I believed I had something. And um, I think it's, it's, it's nice to know that I just gave it a go. Yeah. And like when you think about it as well, like it's great that you knew that and you're able to kind of embrace that and go for it because just the mentality we have in Ireland, you know, it's like if you have a talent, it's almost like, okay, now you don't need to tell anyone about that. You can just do whatever you want with it. But, you know, really we should be saying, great, you have a talent, like go and do something with it. But it's just, it's just not the way we operate here. No, it's not. And, uh, and sometimes I think, you know, is it just ingrained in us that we, uh, we're we afraid to pat ourselves on the back for, of whatever job we do? It's, a, you know, if you're very good in the corporate world, we're afraid to go, I'm good at my job. Mm. And it's not about being arrogant or egotistical. It's just kind of remind yourself that, like, you know, I'm good. I, I, I can do this really, really well. And it's not something to be ashamed of. And, like, that's something, like, you know, if you turn around to someone, oh, I'm, I'm a really good runner, shut up, you, you know, <laughs> be quiet, you know, whereas... You know, we should maybe go, well, you know, yeah, you are. That's good. Well, do you want to do something with it? And and, and that's kind of it. And I, I do remember my guidance counsellor in uh, St. Benilda's, right? And, and I can remember going in, this was in Leaving Cert year, and he'd have the conversations, what do you want to do? And I was like, ah, sure, I don't know. And he was like, well, you're into sport. I said, yeah, I am, yeah. And he goes, do you ever think about, like, maybe a scholarship? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'd love a GAA scholarship. Yeah, maybe then a UCD. And he was like, maybe not GAA, but you ever think about athletics? <laughs> like, so I was like, ah, okay, you don't think I'm good enough for that, but maybe he was right, you know, maybe like he saw something in terms of running, not GAA, like, and yeah, like, I just think maybe that should be a little bit more embraced and, and trying to kind of like, if someone believes or you have a talent, it's it's nothing to be ashamed of, it, it's it's something brilliant and just having a go and seeing what happens. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally get that as well. So what do you think will be your legacy then? Yeah, again, it, it, like it's a it's a great question. Um, 
I think to be honest with you, like I think as a nation, we we can compete in sprint events. I think definitely, you know, over four hundred meters and stuff like that. I think we can be 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 able to challenge the Americans and the Caribbeans, you know. And it's probably something that, like, as, as a, an athletic nation, we probably drifted a little bit more to like your middle and your long distances. And you know, oh, we can't we can't compete over that. We can't compete over that. And I'm not saying that we can take over hundred meters or two hundred, but I definitely think you know. Um, 400 is is an event that we can be uh, we can challenge at, and I'd love to think that there's kids coming through now that like are looking at not only just me but just people who are competing at the moment over 400 and doing very well in Ireland. And I think it's it's looking at th- those and kind of thinking, right, well, you know, if they can do it, well, then you know we can compete and we can get up there. And you know, it, it's kind of funny when you look at kind of any sport when you have an element of success, it's like building on that and that gives huge belief to people so I think the legacy is trying to is one keep people in the sport I think that kind of late teenage years that transition from kind of junior to senior um, people can get lost a little bit so try and kind of give people the that momentum and kind of even a mentorship that you know what you got to stick at it success might come in a month it could come in four years but you know stick at it and believe and, and definitely from a sporting context you know trying to compete at those events that maybe, you know, we didn't look at, you know, over the last couple of years. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, in a nutshell, it's just trying to trying to keep people in the sport and give them the belief that they can compete. And what's next for you then, David, when you do come back from the Olympics? Yeah, what's next for me? Yeah, it's always that kind of scary question. Um, look, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate with what I do. I, I enjoy... Um, the work that I'm doing right now, I'm, I'm pretty active in terms of the kind of corporate wellbeing space. And I've been doing that for the last couple of years. And uh, and obviously the media side is very interesting. I enjoy it. It's nice to be a part of sport. Um, uh, I suppose when you're when you're off the track, you know. And um, yeah, like I, I, I've no kind of clear. Uh, I've always feel a bit like, should I have something clear? Should I have a plan? Um, but I no, I don't. Uh, like. I suppose I've made it this far post uh, post my athletic career, but I'm enjoying what I'm doing. And definitely, you know, I enjoy that kind of speaking and teaching element. Like teaching is something that uh, I, I, I do enjoy doing. And maybe that coaching element as well. I'm actually doing all my kind of levels in, in terms of my uh, athletic coaching at the moment. And um, it's, it's something now I, I kind of feel like there was years where I was like, oh, I couldn't be bothered coaching, but I, I look at the likes of them, um, like what Rob Heffernan is doing and, you know, getting back and helping the next generation and bringing them through. And that's definitely something that is really appealing to me. So um, hopefully, hopefully maybe I can coach people over one lap and see what happens. <laughs> well, I would definitely be interested in seeing how that goes. Uh, David Kelly, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. And also thanks for all those great days. You definitely inspired a generation of athletes. You put uh, the shorter distances on the map for Irish athletics and you also shone a light on a lot of really important issues as well. So thank you so much for that. And thanks everybody for listening and watching. Please like, leave a review and subscribe. 